And the United States, you can just go there and then with very little effort approach this massive market. So it's actually a lot easier to scale a business than it is in Europe, I would say. We've probably doubled in size in the last 10 years and you see the skyline. I counted cranes the other day. We had like 15 cranes in town. It's like crazy. You're listening to Move Your Business to the United States with me, your host, Kevin Turley. So welcome to Move Your Business to the United States uh, with me, Kevin Turley, and I'm here with Sebastian Soborn, CEO of Mount Bonnell Advisors. And with a very special guest today, we have Mike Maloney, who's VP of Technology at GQR Global Markets here in Austin. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you very much for having us on. When you move your business to the States, you're going to need people to help you run it. So we tracked down a high-level recruiter in Austin, Michael Maloney. Michael is originally from London, but has made it big in the States. So we headed to his office looking out over downtown Austin to find out about recruitment, work and play in Texas today. You are of particular interest of us because, judging by your accent, you're not from Austin. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not a native of here. I, I grew up in, in London uh, initially, but moved out to the States about five or six years ago. So you've taken the great leap from Europe to the United States and moved uh, professionally across the Atlantic. How have you found it? It's been a number of things. It's been quite frightening. It's been exciting, um, adventurous, and, and I suppose sort of overall uh, a rewarding experience. Okay, tell us a little bit about uh, your company and your role in it. Okay, um, well, yeah, GQR uh, or GQR Global Markets, we, we help transition um, people from the STEM industries, so anywhere from a science, technology, engineering and math background um, across a, a number of different verticals and help transition talent from, um, I suppose, different businesses within the US. And you've been doing that for? Well, I suppose in the States for, since I've been with GQR and then previous to that, I was uh, two years in England before I moved out. Okay. And am I right in thinking that Austin wasn't your first point of entry into the United States? It, it wasn't, no. I, I came um, over to Los Angeles to start off with. Um, so we we started off in Westwood, um, sort of mid, mid-city Los Angeles, and then moved down to Santa Monica for, for a number of years before making a jump over to Texas. Why did your company open an office here in Austin in the first place? Um, I suppose a, a multitude of, of reasons. Um, our business has quite a big oil and gas sort of focus as a company or one of the bigger departments is oil and gas and we were sort of targeting Texas as a hub for, for sort of identifying talent in that region and, and working with clients here. As it happened, we did quite a lot of work with the solar industry and saw the massive growth of tech businesses within Austin plus the, the infrastructure growth in Texas has been phenomenal over the last sort of couple of years and doesn't seem to, to be slowing uh, by any means I think there's 200 plus people a day moving to Austin so across a number of our different verticals it made sense to be in in a city with so much growth um, it, it has a number of different sort of I suppose bonuses for companies but I suppose the state is looking to allow more talent and more businesses into to Texas and Austin um, sort of at the forefront of that and then sort of additionally to that there's an enormous pool of talent here from the different colleges for us to, to be able to, to grow out our business. So, 
Mike, would you say that um, in your line of work, which is recruitment, that it's a good um, barometer of the health of the economy of wherever you're recruiting from and to? Yeah, uh, most certainly. Um, I think the... I suppose the core hubs of Silicon Valley, for, for very sort of relevant experience for me, Silicon Valley has always been the sort of core epicenter of technology in in America. Um, and over the last um, probably 10 years, but, but accelerated over the last couple of years, we've seen uh, cities like Austin picking up an awful lot of uh, the exciting businesses where sort of the, the cost of living in, in a San Francisco or a Silicon Valley area has sort of stipend the flow of talent and, and made sort of building businesses very difficult. Um, whereas here there's, there's more opportunity um, and, and an increasing influx of people who are interested in transitioning from the, the sort of central hubs that are traditionally have attracted the top talent to looking at other um, sort of areas across the states. Mike, you, you've made the great leap across, which we talked about at the start, but um, a lot of people listening to this are thinking about making that journey across the Atlantic and, and moving businesses from Europe to the United States. I mean, even in my brief time here on this visit to the United States, um, the United States, for all our consumption of American media, is very disorientating for anybody from Europe. Uh, it, it, that's my sense of it. What was your sense uh, when, you when you first came to America and you start working in America, working with American businesses and American banking, American legal systems, et cetera? Was there a sort of pain barrier you had to go through before it started to make sense or fit together? That's a good question. Yeah, there, there certainly was. Um, working in America is very different to, to working in in Europe on, on a number of different sort of avenues. I suppose coming over here is just to, to sort of open your mind up and, and shift your perception from what you know to trying to, to sort of understand a different sort of perception of how business is done. And I, one of the things that I really love about America and particularly working in America is a sort of eternal optimism that, that, that's here. Like people don't see failures as failures, they see them as successes because you actually gave something a go. Whereas in a lot of, a lot of, um, I suppose what I experience in Europe is the failure is something to be ashamed about, whereas here it's something that's really embraced as something. Yes, definitely. I mean, this is something um, that I have, I, I made the same experience. Um, I made the same experience here. I mean, in fact, I know a lot of American entrepreneurs who went through one bankruptcy, maybe a number of bankruptcies, you know, and always came up on top of it because they wanted to, they didn't get disheartened, you know, and, and, and they accepted maybe to be very limited initially and had to start again, you know, but they did it and uh, we're supported by the environment. Would, would you both say that that's one of the, um, the key, one of the key differences in business in the United States? Because I've heard this before that, that to try business here and to fail is seen as a mark of uh, endeavor. Whereas in Europe, and maybe in England in particular, if you fail at a business, you, you disappear for a few years until uh, you know, your, your embarrassment wears off. Would, would you say that's a kind of fair stereotype either side? Yeah, I, I think that's, from my experience, a reasonable sort of, I suppose, understanding of it. People seem to, to embrace failure a lot more than, than I experienced in Europe. I think, I think you're totally right. Um, I'm not so sure even that England is the worst example for this. I think in England is... Of from all European countries very similar to the US in that regard. But Germany, for example, is particularly um, bad. So any failure there is a massive stigma and it's very difficult, you know, to 
recuperate from that, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but, but totally in the U.S. it's definitely easier. So, Mike, back to you with this going through this pain barrier, which I'm very interested in. Um, so you're talking about the difference in business. So you come up with the, the eternal optimism, which is very interesting. And we kind of get that. You know, we see America as a Americans, even in my short trip here, all Americans seem so positive. You know, they, they wake up with a bright smile seemingly every single morning. When you're working in a country, it's very different from visiting it as a holiday or a, on a vacation, you know. And once you start getting down into business, I mean, how, how much does that optimism sort of, when you drill down, how much is it still there when, when the going gets tough? One of one of the sort of most beneficial lessons that I've learned from coming here is it, that sort of service industry is consistent with business from from being in a restaurant to the tipping society to business. If you're very good at what you do and you focus on providing excellence and really strive to be sort of at, at the forefront of your industry and enable your clients, be it businesses or customers, to to see sort of a distinguishable sort of enhancement from your product and they do buy into it. But it's very difficult to get there and there's an enormous amount of, of struggles to try and understand what excellence is and, and to try and sort of map out and understand the peripheries of your market so that you can deliver a service that, that meets that level. Can we just look at that for a second? Because it's interesting that what you've said there. I mean, I get this idea and, I, and I, I sort of imagined that that was American business society striving for excellence to be the best because it's, it, it's a society based or it's a business culture based on if you deliver, you get paid. But the definition of excellence, now you worked in London, right? Mm -hmm. You worked in the city of London. Mm -hmm. Was there a difference in the definition of excellence on that side of the Atlantic to what you found on this side? It's, it's a good question. I, I think, no, I, I, from my experience, I was very fortunate to be in a sort of company in London that was very established to having come over here and sort of trying to build a company. So my experience in London, to be honest, was... A training experience and, and coming to GQR in America, it's been a, a sort of the, coming into a startup in America, failure is, is not an option because that's going home, that's admitting failure. So for us, failure is not an option. Um, so we had to achieve excellence from a bounce or from coming over here from a start to, to make ourselves. Um, but I, sp I suppose what I'm asking though is that the parameters of excellence. Were you clear what they were when you when you started out on this adventure in the United States? Were you clear of when I get to this level, when I have achieved this, when I've done this, then I'm into the excellence field? No, it wasn't clear. It was a, a, a learning experience. We, we had to sort of, they call it sort of um, A-B testing here. Um, so you try try something out, you see how it's received by the market, and then you sort of revise, you iterate again, you come back at it. it it's a progressive endeavour. Um, so, so no, excellence wasn't necessarily clear when we came here. We had an idea, or for me certainly, I'm not speaking for a company, but for me I had an idea what we wanted to do, and my idea was very wrong coming out here to start off with, but by iterating and iterating and continuing to learn, it, it sort of got us there and, and has been very successful for us. And I think that the the strive to get to excellence is, is the rewarding part of this. The, the sort of the battle of having to wake up and, and try at it again and again and again. We're, we're not necessarily seeing any results in the short term, but with that sort of same adopted sort of 
I suppose, optimism of a, a sort of nation here, um, adopting that and taking that to your work and, and actually getting to, to sort of meet it eventually, hopefully. Business. What is business anyway? Business is everything we see along this street and much more. It is any enterprise which is organized to satisfy our wants for goods and services. Men and women establish businesses in the hope of making a profit. Thus, they earn their livelihood by supplying goods and services which others desire. The world is so full of these goods and services that we take them for granted. Yet without them, we could have almost none of the things that we have come to consider necessary for our comfort and safety. Just think what it would mean if all this were taken away and we were suddenly required to produce our own food, make our own clothes, build our own homes. Each of us would have to work single-handedly to create the bare necessities of life. For it is business, organizer of cooperative effort among people and creator of elaborate machinery and equipment which is responsible for the comfortable life we live today. And how did you find um, working with American clients? I mean, my experience is very positive, you know, with American clients, they are direct, they say what they want, you know, they deliver, they pay, they pay very well, you know, if you, if you do well. So it's a very uncomplicated experience. And I'm, I'm used to something similar from Germany where there's a, a similar mentality. While often I find in the UK, people tend to, you know, pussyfoot around the issue, you know, and don't say it clearly, and they're not exactly clear when it's bad, when it's good, or when it's, when it's very good. What's your experience with American clients? Um, it's funny. I, I think uh, the, the regional diversity is, is also apparent there. So in California, I think people are more akin to potentially sort of walking around an issue and trying to present it in a nice capacity. But if you talk to a client from New York, you're going to get it in the ear. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, um, I, I wouldn't blanket the whole of America as, as one particular sort of, uh, I suppose, methodology or approach. But, but yeah, but I've, in comparison to, to England, I, I found people to be much more upfront here when, when you do things right and even more upfront when you do things wrong, which yeah. is... <laughs> but it, it seems like, I mean, and what you're saying, Sebastian, and, and Mike, you're backing it up here, is that, that, that in some ways business is more straightforward. You, you strive for excellence and you deliver, you get rewarded. You strive for excellence and you don't deliver, you don't get rewarded and you probably be got a business eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed. And you can't be mediocre here. Now, you talked about something there. In terms of entrepreneurialism is key. Now, in some ways, being an immigrant to the United States, having come from your, your home country to the United States, the pressure is greater, but also the sense of failure is greater if you're on the flight back to, to Heathrow, I guess. Um, is this a case of the kind of classic entrepreneurial thing of we've burned the boats, we're going to take the island? That's, yeah, fair. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that idea haunted me uh, when, when I first moved here and, and it particularly in the early days where, where there was so much ambiguity as to, to whether it would work and, and uncertainty. And that, the idea of having to go back to my friends and family and say, I did this, but I'm back six months later, probably kept me in the office more or longer than any other idea that, that I could have sort of imagined. So that, that sort of sense of having to go back with my tail between my legs and admit failure was, was probably more... There's great. that to it, Mike. And, and again, that's the entrepreneurial experience. Most entrepreneurs set out 
into the unknown, okay? That's the difference between an entrepreneur and an employee, okay? Somebody who has a contract and knows what they have to do and they're going to get a paycheck at the end of the month, fine. Most entrepreneurs set out into the unknown and there's always going to be the naysayers and those that support them, okay? Maybe even reluctantly support them because you've got to prove what you're doing, okay? So there's nothing new in that. But you've also hinted at something else which is a more positive spin on this, which is to be an entrepreneur, you've got to have what John Wayne used to call true grit. You've got to have staying power. Now, would you, would, can you identify with that in your experience of coming to America? Yeah, it, it's, um, I, I suppose from my point of view as, a, as an employee, albeit a very, very early employee of a company, I suppose there's twofold. One is the personal motivations and drivers there, but then also the company. If you've got an inspirational leader or inspirational leaders, which I was fortunate to have, and, and they have that sheer determination and grit, that helps drive you through it as well. So it, it's, I think it's a whole business methodology of everyone striving for the same result really is one of the, the key strengths to to give to it because you can turn around to your left and right and you know that the two people, be it a founder or, or someone as a sort of founding member, is doing everything that they can to make this this successful. So I, I suppose it's twofold. It's it's both on a personal level and, and the people that, that you surround yourself with. Sebastian, would you agree with that? Yes, yes, I I would I would totally agree with that. I mean, leadership, yeah, is an extremely important um, is an extremely important aspect. Not only as an employee, but also you know for any company that you have a leadership team, especially important when you you know when you want to get investment. Um, investors are always going to look primarily at the leadership team because when things get difficult, um, or even when things work very well, you know, success can be overwhelming. You know. You need to have a good leadership in place. So I totally agree. Yeah, leadership is absolutely key to motivate to motivate employees. You know, to motivate everyone to motivate clients. I totally agree. Success can be overwhelming. I presume success in the United States is different to success in London. I wouldn't know. I didn't have a huge amount of. <laughs> <laughs> Does doing business in America pay well? When you're doing it well and it's going well, are the are the material financial rewards worth it? Yeah, indeed. Um, because you do long hours, I guess. Yeah, we, we work very, very... You work hard and you get paid well, yeah? yeah. We work hard and we're rewarded um, accordingly for it. Yeah. So um, we're, we're, our, our business is, is by nature rewarded on... It's basically we're paid on our successes as a sales business. So what you put into the business is really what you get out of the business. So um, in America, the... The, the salaries are higher than, than Europe um, and the remuneration for our target sort of candidates um, is higher. So but inherently through that, we see a higher reward for, for our endeavours. Hi, you're listening to Move Your Business to the United States. Just a quick word from our sponsors, Mount Bonnell Advisors. The people there have been advising clients on moving stateside for years. For all your needs both business and practical, head over to mindbanel.com to find out more. Thanks for listening. Okay, so you, you're, you're selling it to me. Now tell me, in all honesty, what are the worst things about Austin? The worst things about Austin? I think I might get fat. I have 35. <laughs> yeah, the, the 35 is... Yeah, I, I, I've actually had experience of that. Even after four days visiting Austin, I can honestly say that when, we, when we're when we on the uh, Interstate 35, 
it's uh, it's a prelude to hell. Uh, ACDC should be playing full time. Highway <laughs> to hell, up and down that road. Yeah, no, indeed. But the infrastructure here hasn't quite caught up with the influx of people, to be honest. So the, the highways are, are are a bit of a pain. Fortunately, I've located myself very close to work and and the city, so I don't have to to suffer that too much. I think for, for my own personal waistline might be one of the ones that. But I'm a little bit worried about being here because the portions are, are enormous and, and the food del delightful. Um, but the worst things about Austin, I'd, I'd imagine when it, when it hits 110 degrees for the third day on the trot, which for Europe is about 40, um, 40 degrees, um, is is kind of hard. It's sweltering. You're you're living in a desert and it's quite humid, um, and that that can be quite overbearing. And then. I suppose while Austin is one of the most centralized cities that I'm, I've been to in America, sort of with, with accessibility in downtown, it still is very sort of spread out. And to, to go from one place to another requires a car ride or, or an Uber or whatever it happens to be. There's no public um, transport infrastructure really here. There's, there's I suppose, different areas as opposed to one centralized hub so you have to sort of commute quite a lot um, but but really it, it sort of pales in comparisons to the, the positives um, of, of living here. I mean you, you hinted at something which even in my short few days here I've, I've noticed which is that the amount of construction and building both downtown and, and in some of the suburbs um, gives the indication of a city which is expanding rapidly. Is, is that the case? Yeah, indeed. Um, funnily enough, I've just been looking for an apartment or, or a house that we've just rented, and that, that's an awful lot harder than 18 months ago when I moved, moved here first. I think there's a statistic, which you'll probably know better, is somewhere around 200 people move here a day, from increasingly from like California and other tech companies or hubs as like Amazon are growing their, their footprint here. Oracle have just opened up a 12,000 person office um, just on the other side of town. So I, I think that people have, it, it's growing exponentially, but that's, I suppose, for, for an expat who's come here is quite exciting. And I, and I suppose for, for a lot of our listeners who are entrepreneurs and they're business people, they're looking for opportunities, they're looking for business opportunities. Um, an expanding and growing and affluent market is music to their ears. Yeah, no, indeed, it's, it, it certainly piqued our, our, our attention and, and got GQR to move here and many, many other businesses. So it, it is a, a hub for businesses to come and um, move to and, and offers an awful lot of lifestyle upsides. Um, you asked earlier about the sort of lifestyle facets of it. I think in, I complained about the temperature uh, a second ago when it gets to 110 degrees, but when you have 200 days of sunshine and sort of, incredible beautiful open green spaces and rivers and whatnot to hang out in it, it sort of it negates some of the concerns there for moving over and just on that point because um you work hard but you also have to you have leisure and you have to re recreate in whatever way you do um have you started to discover new um pastimes new hobbies new sports since you arrived in the austin area that you would never have dreamed you would have done when you were living in london yeah, um, 
I think potentially more so in, in Los Angeles, I took up surfing, which was, wasn't particularly available. There's not a lot of surfing in London. <laughs> no, no, the, the Thames doesn't internet, lend itself. Inter, internet surfing is set aside. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I was fortunate enough to be on, on the beach there um, in Santa Monica, so I took that up. And then I suppose here there, there's such a massive amount of um, space here, a lot of our pastime or my pastime my girlfriend and friends is camping and sort of going out and hiking and discover discovering new sort of outdoorsy places that, that was very different to my existence in London which was more sort of city metropolis hub that, I think that mirrors some of your experience Sebastian I mean you 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 arrived here and you bought a ranch I did buy a ranch yeah, exactly uh, and that's what I wanted to ask did you pick up some of the typical Texas hobbies like horse riding hunting these sort of things. <laughs> I um, I haven't haven't been out hunting. I've been out fishing, and I, I, I bought myself a kayak, although I'm not particularly stable on it. Um, <laughs> horse riding, yes. Uh, we've been out horse riding. Um, we actually had a, a fun day out axe throwing in on a ranch the other day, which was, <laughs> was petrifying. How good my girlfriend's at it. I'm, I'm <laughs> a little bit worried, but yeah, we, we've been out, and I've very my girlfriend lives down in South Texas, so sort of towards the border of um, Mexico. So this is still very, it, it's much more of a city in Austin. Whereas if you go an hour or two south or any direction, really, you really get into to the heart of Texas countryside, which for me is the most exciting bit of it here. It's just so sprawling and beautiful and just different. It, it's quite an exciting place to be. So, Mike, I'm assuming that on a Sunday night you're 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 sending off on email or Instagram or whatever pictures to your relatives in London of you axe throwing at. Uh, no, none branches. of them have got me got me on there anymore. Unfortunately, I think they kicked me off after LA. Um, yeah, I, I do occasionally rub rub the salt in, in the wounds with friends back home when there's a particularly dreary weekend in in London and. And it's nice there, um, or it's nice here, but you brought the weather with you. So unfortunately, this, this Sunday's rainy and, and a little bit overcast. So. Well, well, I have to say, by London standards, this is, this is summertime. Okay. I mean, yeah, 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 this is really nice. You get complacent. Um, well, we're about to close, Mike. I'm really grateful for your time. Uh, I have to say that we're, we're, we're tipping this in your um, 12th floor office uh, in downtown uh, Austin. And the views are absolutely incredible. Uh, on the one side, what, just explain to the listeners, uh, Mike, what we're seeing out that side. So, so on one side, where, where sunset's coming down at the moment, we've got the Colorado River, which, which is sort of Lady Bird Lake within central Austin. And you can see out towards the, the 360 bridge and, and a beautiful sunset. And then if you sort of spin round uh, 90 degrees you're, you're, or 45 degrees, you're um, looking at North Austin. So it's the city. Which, which just for the, for the listeners is, is, is like a quintessential American city. It's skyscrapers built up, very, very sort of impressive, obviously very, very moneyed and corporate. And then if we look over on this side, it's quite interesting because we've got some construction work going on but we've got um, some great hotels over this way. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, as far as the eye can see, and then you're heading off in that direction to, is that the East Texas over in that direction? Yeah, you, you, you're heading your way out over towards um, the east side there. So it's actually, it's a, 
It's an incredible place. There's a lot of sort of country bars over there and really good barbecue places. There's swanky sushi bars and restaurants and sort of incredible cocktail places over there and then you're sort of out into the countryside over there and a whole different world whatever direction you turn in you find a sort of different and it sounds like whatever whatever you're into you there's a niche for it in austin austin is a multifaceted, multi-layered uh, sort of place yeah indeed it's, it's by no means one-dimensional there's there's an, an enormous amount of stuff to do here, I suppose which was you're... your experience too Sebastian? yeah and i was just wanted to ask you yeah. give us a tip mike uh, for listeners what's the best like restaurant for a business lunch we get in trouble here um there's a steakhouse called perry's um up on on sixth street that's that's delectable um, i've actually been there yeah i can confirm it's very nice yeah it's, it's cool so mike just finally you've got a, an apartment not very far from here downtown and you come out in the mornings and you're wandering through the sunshine to your 14th floor, or sorry, 14th floor uh, office building looking at these amazing views around here. Do you ever miss the rain standing on the crowded underground of London, looking out over a building site somewhere in the city of London? I'll be perfectly honest, no. I, I must admit. I'm, 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 it was a question. Yeah, well played. No, I don't. I love it here. It's, it's a fantastic place to be. And one final question, because uh, you love it here. You're a young man. Um, you're in your 20s, 30s? 30s. 30s, okay, just probably. You're looking young. But um, do you see a long-term future for yourself in this city? Yeah, indeed. And I'm you'd right. be happy with that? Yeah, I'd be delighted. I've, I've got an amazing girlfriend and... Um, friend base here. I, I can't see why I wouldn't wouldn't spend spend the rest of my life here, really. Next time on Move Your Business to the United States. So my approach is not about how many leads or how many new contacts can we get to your website. Yeah, that's part of it. But if you don't understand how to nurture people on the back end, how to create a true experience with your brand and with your company, then you're not going to not only deliver the right results for your best and key clients, you're actually doing a disservice to your business because it's not going to grow the way you want it to grow. You've been listening to Move Your Business to the United States with me, Kevin Turley. A huge thanks to my producer, Emmett Glynn, who produced this podcast for Mount Bonnell Media. To find out more, go to mountbonnell.com. And remember, dream big, dream American.